for your information is brought to you by Found Footage, the bread and butter of film school students and struggling film studios. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Information with Zach and John. Keep rolling. We're going to get an Oscar for this. Welcome to For Your Information, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, Zach. And I'm John. Uh, spoiler alert, they did not. They did not get an Oscar, and uh, if you didn't gleam at the title, uh, we're, we're finally doing it. We're, we're finally going to fucking cover this goddamn piece of shit movie. Uh, welcome to... Cannibal Holocaust from 1980. Good God, what a film. Ah, yeah. Uh, Infamous. Infamous. I think is the only way you could really describe it. It is, um, oh my god. I, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to classify this movie. It's controversial. It's disgusting. It's, uh, it features real animal torture. Um, it, it just, dear god, just, if, um, just a fair warning for anyone who is squeamish in the least little bit, um, we will be going in depth on some of the, uh, quote-unquote kills and the, um, the gratuitous nature of this film, and, uh... Um, yeah, 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 the unsavory bits. The unsavory bits of this film, which make it controversial, so... If you are squeamish or you are sensitive to anything like that, um, I would suggest skipping this one. Uh, for those of you that uh, think you're brave, uh, come along down the rabbit hole. Um, I I find it hard to recommend you watch the film, but um, I, I would watch the film for the full effect of this so that you can uh, groan and moan with us. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's bad. And if you want a slightly tamer version of what we're going to talk about today, uh, we actually did an episode all about about um just cannibal film in general uh just kind of going into the subgenre going into um just a little bit about cannibal holocaust mainly about like our experience with it so we're going to leave all of that go we're going to just hop right into it um for, uh just a quick recap uh, me and john watched this while drinking a uh, peach brandy and dr pepper cocktail that i'm 98 sure that someone told me to do as a joke now um, we watched it, we both kind of wanted to throw up <laughs> while watching it. I did. I believe we had to watch it in two sittings. Yeah, it was, uh, it is not a film that you want to watch while eating spaghetti. It, it's not a film you want to watch while eating, uh, pretty much anything. Don't, this is not a popcorn movie. It is not a popcorn movie, and, uh, just like the public service announcement that we put in the last episode... Uh, don't try very hard not to mix, uh, anything sexually oriented with this movie. Uh, that is a bad rabbit hole that you don't want to go down. Um, it is, so all of, all of the warnings aside, oh god, John, it's been a week. It's been a week since I watched this movie and it's still with me. I, 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 I was honestly surprised at how much I didn't remember from it. I think my brain literally made me forget this movie. Yeah, I actually had a similar experience from the first time that we watched it way back years and years ago. Um, it's, there are bits that your brain does not want to hold on to. Yeah, and I mean, e even now, it's like, I'm trying to like exactly remember certain parts. Like, there are a few parts of this film that just very are just burned into my brain that we'll get into uh, later on. But, um... Yeah, John, I think I think you always make a cocktail for the movies that we're doing, but um, I think I'm going to need a double. I'm going to need a very, very strong cocktail so that I can forget this movie again. Okay, awesome. Well, I think I've got just the thing for you. Um, This cocktail is called the Madrina. So the Madrina cocktail is going to be kind of a smash up of uh, two worlds, you know. We've got our European side, we got some Italian liqueurs, and then we come over to the Americas, we have some lime and a little bit of rum, we're gonna smash them together and have a good time. Not what happened in Cannibal Holocaust. Not at all. Americans, no. Italians, and uh, the Amazon do not go well together. No, 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 no. Uh, especially not when Italians are playing all of those people in a movie. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad, sad reacts only. So, 
The cocktail is called the Madrina. That's actually Spanish for Godmother. So uh, if those of you out there who are familiar with Amaretto probably are familiar with the Godmother cocktail and uh, the Godfather cocktail. So the Godmother cocktail is vodka and Amaretto, and then the Godfather cocktail is bourbon and Amaretto. So Amaretto is like an almond-flavored liqueur. It's got almost like a cherry kind of flavor to it. Uh, something a lot of people don't know is that the almond is actually a stone fruit. So the, the nut that you eat is the pit, and there's like a fruity shell that goes on the outside of that, and it's not usually something that people like eat often but it is something that you can use to flavor stuff so in this particular case when you drink like a disarono or something like that that is an amaretto product that is the flavor you're getting it's a stone fruit kind of like an apricot or a peach or uh, what have you it's just it's a little bit more like a cherry flavor because that's what the almond fruit is a little bit more like awesome so is this uh, the same way that they get almond milk no that is completely different they actually strap those poor almonds down in a factory and extract all of its milk uh, the only way that you're able to do that is by uh, killing their young. So it's very inhumane. <laughs> Stop big soy and almond farms. Yes, yes. Soy milk? Haha, <laughs> not me. So that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's a funny Spanish you. joke for those of you that have been following along with the Spanish tie-ins here. <laughs> I fucking hate you. All right, so here's how you would make this cocktail. Uh, you're going to take an ounce of lime juice, uh, double strain this. You're not going to want all the pulp in there. Uh, one ounce of amaretto, a half ounce of vodka, a half ounce of slow gin, and a half, or no, excuse me, a quarter ounce of blackstrap rum. So again, going down the ingredients list here, uh, lime juice, double strain it. You're going to want to hold on to that lime pulp here for a little bit. Uh, the amaretto, like I said, Italian liqueur. Uh, vodka, needs no introduction. Slow gin, we've actually used once or twice on the show before. It's a gin product that's a little bit lower in ABV and has kind of a fruitier flavor to it. And then blackstrap rum, of course, also doesn't really need an introduction. It's uh, a dark rum with a very very like molasses forward flavor yes and it ta- it does taste a lot like licorice yes it also tastes a lot like boots <laughs> mm, boot leather mm. delicious so uh, yeah you'll take all of those ingredients and you'll shake them up in your cocktail shaker with ice uh dilution is important so you can actually set it aside when you're done to prepare the glass so the glass for this drink is going to be like rocks glass, uh, you know, just kind of that classic short squat round glass uh, with a heavy bottom. And you're going to take a, uh, a plate on the side and dump that lime pulp out into it. That's why you got to double strain it. Now, you're actually going to make a, uh, a rimming mixture for the glass out of sugar and citric acid. So you can actually buy like crystallized citric acid uh, in some grocery stores. You can get it on the Internet, too. It's actually really useful for this type of thing. Um, basically, it's just sour crystals. It's similar to something you might get on like a Sour Patch kid believe it or not huh so, so you can uh, actually so are, are they sour and then they're sweet uh in this case it's just the sour part those monsters yes exactly uh th- the only kids you'll want to eat i i don't like that take that back okay cool okay yeah redacted <laughs> uh, so you mix those two together now the sugar and the citric acid are going to give you that sweet and sour kind of flavor so you'll take that glass rim it in the lime pulp so it's going to hold on to some of the juice and then with the glass you know being prepared to receive the crystals you just roll in the crystals and now you have a glass rim uh, go ahead and fill it with ice, and then strain the cocktail shaker mixture into the glass, and there you go. It's pretty simple. Beautiful. Like, you made such a beautiful cocktail for something that is so horribly wrong. Yes, exactly. Uh, benefits of doing it this way are that you're going to have the sweet and sour rim, which can complement the flavors in the glass. So you got the lime, sour. You got the amaretto, very sweet. Slow gin, uh, kind of a, a fruity, tart flavor, and then blackstrap rum, again, very sweet. So you got to have the sweet and sour balance to get this right, but you want to show off the amaretto. The amaretto is the... Uh, that's the thing you're trying to showcase here. Uh, too much blackstrap rum is really going to cut through it too much, and you're going to get that big, like, molasses-forward flavor. And uh, that kind of throws the drink off a little bit. Because amaretto's a really good liqueur. Some people drink it neat. Like, you'll just get a disarono on the rocks or, you know, just, again, drink it neat. Uh, I personally find it to be a little too sweet, but it's a really good flavor. Oh. So, unlike the peach Dr. Pepper mixture, um, this is balanced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this This at least has, like thought put into it instead of like you know the snoop dog gin and juice uh cocktail uh yes. which is um it, it's very similar uh peach brandy and dr pepper and uh snoop dog gin and juice are very simple it's two things peach brandy and dr pepper and depending on how you're feeling that day doesn't really matter 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just something to take the edge off. Even though it's already peach brandy, so it doesn't really need the edge taken off anymore. Oh, no. As soon as I figured out, like, I could drink that straight, I was just like, why was I ever even doing this? Yeah, man, you just uh, shake it up with some ice, pour it in a glass, a little diluted, it's not gonna make you feel awful, and not make you throw up during the movie. Exactly. Well... You might throw up during this movie anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a combination of factors there, because I, I I was not intoxicated. It was just... It, yeah, it's just... We'll get into it. We'll get there. We haven't said that in a while. We'll get there. We'll All get there. All right. Speaking of getting there, we didn't have them last week, uh, mainly because we were in a small little deficit. <laughs> um, and also, I didn't want to have Frank read off three different fucking movies. Um, so, but we're welcoming him back this week. Frank... Welcome, buddy. For better or worse, you're here for this one. Hey, I'm so glad to be yes, back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry that we made you take uh, some uh, VT uh, voluntary time off for uh, last week. Well, you know, I got plenty of places to go, plenty of people to see, and just a little bit of uh, time to clear my schedule. You know, get some things done that need hey, to get done. you know done. what? That's what it's all about. Sometimes you just need those days. You just need those days where you don't do anything. What does, like, a Frank Synopsis do-nothing day look like? A Frank Synopsis do-nothing day. Uh, sit on the bench. Uh, get asked to leave the bench. Uh, sit under a bridge. Uh, sometimes I play a fun game called Troll, which is where I uh, just kind of sit under the bridge more. <laughs> and uh, do, do you pop out and scare anybody, or have you just learned better in recent years? Only on Tuesdays. Only on Tuesdays. Yikes. So, Frank, I'm sorry to have subjected subjected you to Cannibal Holocaust. Um, you can write it off as a work expense. Um, how, how did you feel? Oh, well, uh, Cannibal Holocaust is a special kind of film. It makes you feel all kinds of special ways. Um, among the list of Thanksgiving films, I think this is probably my second favorite, next to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I, is it a Thanksgiving? I mean, I guess, I guess technically anything could be a Thanksgiving movie. Um, well, Frank, that being said, t- tell us, tell the people, tell them what this movie is about, quote-unquote. All right. Four documentary filmmakers go missing in the Amazon jungle while researching supposed cannibal tribes. After they've been missing for over a month, Professor Harold Monroe goes to retrieve them, only to find the crew's bones in their cans of film, all in the hands of a cannibal tribe. What follows? is raw footage beautiful frank thank you very much that is that is in essence what this movie is about now uh does it spend a whole lot of time on the plot no does it need to god i wish it did mm, oh. yes makes me want some uh turkey bones and cranberry sauce the only two things i get in a thanksgiving oh, dinner yeah i mean i guess at the soup kitchen they kind of have to give what they can give don't they all oh, yes. right frank well you can collect your check uh another week's work well done thank you very much john are you back with us john boy oh yeah 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 i'm good uh craft services is really taking a dive this week oh huh? yeah um did you, did you see the did you see the turkey and uh, cranberry sauce in the in the fucking trash can? Yeah, I think you snapped the bones open to get the marrow. I, I, I've never understood people that eat the bone marrow, man. Like, it's like, A, it's really not good for you. Like, that is just pure cholesterol. And two, like, fucking ew. Yeah, I don't know, man. Just use the bones to make soup. Yeah, like, using the bones to make soup, like, you get the bone marrow in the soup. It makes sense. Just fucking... I'm not a big fan of eating anything with bone in anyway. I don't know why. I just, I've always had, like, some sort of weird aversion to it. it. It's almost like, I know that I'm eating an animal, but at least I don't have to think about, like, what part of the animal that came from. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like when you're eating, uh, like, a peach and it's got the bone in it. Oh, still. yeah. I, I definitely prefer my peaches bone. Yeah, peaches gotta be boneless, apricots gotta be boneless, um... Uh, apple bones are pretty small. They're pretty easy to yeah, get around. Yeah, you can eat around uh, those. Kind of like a, uh, kind of like a drumstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got, uh, the coconut, which is like a reverse bone fruit. <laughs> it, it has an exoskeleton. Yeah, exactly. It's like the cockroach of the fruit. And then world. there's cantaloupe. Fuck cantaloupe. Yeah, yeah. Cantaloupe is the only fruit that invites itself to a party. Like, every time you're, you're trying to eat a fucking bowl of, like, fruit salad... Cantaloupe's always there. We don't want him there. Yeah, I like cantaloupe better than honeydew. That's honeydew. Sure. Uh, they taste exactly the same to me. I think honeydew has a more like weird mellow flavor that's not really welcome in a fruit salad. But anyway, we're talking about we're we're avoiding it. We're avoiding talking about this movie and we're talking about fruits, which are much more enjoyable. I'd rather eat a whole honeydew than watch this movie again. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's not a movie you want to watch while eating. Honeydew, no, you though. don't. Like I said, don't eat anything. Don't watch porn right before or after. Like, wait at least two hours to eat, because your brain will start erasing the memory of this film. 
I uh, definitely planned my meals around yes, this film. Yes, and considering the fact that we watched four cannibal movies to talk about this movie, yeah, I, I, I had to plan my meals very accordingly. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, just one more thing. Uh, this movie is probably best watched between the hours of like 2 and 4 a.m. because you can go to sleep and then you might forget about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're one of those people that, uh, you know, sleeps on stuff and then internalizes it. You know, like you sleep on a textbook, you could, like, sleep on a copy of Cannibal Holocaust. Let's just say, if you are that kind of person, this is not the kind of movie you need to watch. It is, um, it yeah, is, yeah, it yeah. is highly dangerous. Um, I can, the banning of this film, completely understandable. We'll get there. Alright, but first, let's start with some of just the Wikipedia info. This is just your basic little, like, baby bitch info. Like, you can find this very easily. Um, and then the rest, I'm just gonna read to ya. Alright, so, the film was directed by Ruggiero Diodato, uh, produced by Franco Denunzio and Franco Palagi, uh, written by Gianfranco Clerci. Uh, and it stars Robert Kerman as Professor Harold Monroe, uh, Carl Gabriel York as Alan Yates, Francesca Ciardi as Faye Daniels, uh, Luca Barbareschi as Mark Tommaso, and Perry Perkin Perkinen Perry Perkinen as Jack Anders. Uh, we almost made it through. We almost made it through. We had all those Italian names. Uh, li- living in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania has gotten me very used to um, Italian names. Um, I still mess them up every once in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. So uh, the music for this film is by Riz Ortolani. Uh, we yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk we'll about talk that. about that. It's um it's one of the more enjoyable parts of the film. All right, cinematography by Sergio Diofizi. Diofizi. Um, edited by Vincenzo Tomasi. Oh God, it, it just gets worse from here. <laughs> Vincenzo Tomasi. The production company is FD. Cin- <laughs> Jesus Christ. FD Cinematografia. Production company was FD Cinematografia, uh, distributed by United Artists Europa. Um, Release date was February 7th, 1980. Um, Its country of origin is Italia, but it is an English language film. Uh, The budget for this film is surprisingly $100,000. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, they probably just spent it all on Yeah, I mean, they would have had to. Well, I mean, they found some of the meat when they got there, and uh, we'll talk about that. Um, (laughs) Box office was, the box office return was two million dollars in the united states alone oh well okay uh i hate that they made that much money back i really do too but i mean it was the 80s it was a time of excess so i yeah yeah i guess it was wasn't it a time for italians to uh dress up and say hello my name is mcgunga <laughs> i don't even know what that means all right guys let's get into a little bit of the production of this because as gross as this movie is it is Still a movie, and we can still talk a little bit about it. I'll try and get through this as quickly as possible. All right, so let's start with its troubled past. Uh, director Ruggiero Diodato was uh, contacted by quote unquote German producers to make a follow up to his previous film, Last Cannibal World, from nineteen ni- from nineteen seventy seven. It was an Italian language film. Uh, Diodato then hired his friend Francesco Pelagalli uh, to be the producer on the film, and. Um, uh, Bogota, Colombia was chosen as the main filming location due to its proximity to rainforest locations. Mm. Ah, infamous. infamous. Yes, because we all know, like, the rainforest. It's just so uncharted. Well, I guess back in 1980 it was, because uh, now it's um pretty much demolished. Uh, there's uh, Yeah, there's a lot of it that's gone. Uh, it's on fire. I'm in California, and uh, we've had a bit of a fire problem ourselves for the past, like, forever. But hey, now you know those people are having a boy. Uh, you know what? That's true, and uh, I can see the sky again. I think maybe the part of the gender reveal was to make the sky gray, and then when <laughs> it finally comes out, you're like, oh, look, it's blue, it's a boy. Dear God, that that would be so dark. Um, I feel bad for that kid, because I feel like those, his parents are going to jail. Yes, uh, born under a bad sign, I think, is might uh, be what I uh, would assign to that. Go to Forest Fire Jail. It's a lot like it's a lot like Horny Jail. As a matter of fact, it's right next to Horny Jail. Don't but like very that. Different. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's been one of my favorite phrases lately. It's just go to Horny Jail. <laughs> mm, I see. Yeah. So, do you think if you're like an arsonist, this is like a no-win scenario for you? Yep. You didn't get laid. You didn't get to really set anything on fire, and you're going to jail. 
Right. So now you're in horny jail, so you can't, you know, uh, be horny, I guess. But everything's on fire, which makes you horny because you're an arsonist. Exactly. So it's it's a catch-22. Diodato conceived the film to be about the irresponsibility, cruelty, and sensationalistic nature of current media outlets. Ah, ironic. Yeah, ironic that it um it is actually just all those things. The film is just all those things. Yeah. Uh, also, um, sidebar, are you doing the Italian hand when you say these names? Um, I'm trying not to um i my my fiance is italian and her family is italian so uh, i usually get a little bonk on the head when i do things like that ah i see well that's also a very italian thing to do so they are living up to the uh to the expectation yeah it's not a rolling pin yet i i i've made sure that we do not own a rolling pin because i know that thing's coming right for my head yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> All right. So the film was specifically based on the works of Italian documentarian Giotto Giacopati and his documentary Mondo Cane, which was about quote unquote strange rituals of indigenous or third world third world peoples. Uh, and it began the Mondo film subgenre of exploitation films, which we talked in depth about last week. So I won't waste your time here. All right. Um, several scenes were written. Several scenes for the film were written, but scrapped. Uh, one was where the Yamanato people hack off the leg of the Shimitari, of a Shimitari warrior and fed a piece of him to the piranhas. Uh, the reason they didn't get to film this was that the underwater camera was not functioning at the time the scene was supposed to be filmed, so they just scrapped it. Ah, yeah, and uh, for those that don't know already, uh, the Yanamamo and the Shimatari are rival tribes in the Amazon. So one's the swamp people and one's the tree people. And I believe it's the tree people that are the cannibals, correct? Um, I think so. I, I think they're all kind of cannibals. Oh, okay, yeah, it, it, it's pretty much like a, pl- like a, um, it's a plot point that kind of goes nowhere. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's like, they, they are warrior rivaling tribes, but, like, it really never comes into play in, like, the, uh, the film proper. Right, because it's all just a sub thing. That's why the characters are there, but that's not what the movie is about. Exactly. It's not about, you know, like, the differences and the, uh, you know, what the rivalry is there, because you don't even really know. It's just, yeah, the, they're, they're quote-unquote savages, even though I very cautiously hesitate to use that word. And, you know, I think in the context of talking about Cannibal Holocaust, it's what they meant. So, uh, you know, they, they get to lay in that bed that they made for themselves. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's rough. It's really rough. Um, anyway... So, uh, the footage in the, uh, Last Road to Hell, which is, like, the, um, it's the film within the film. Within the film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's, film um, they made prior to this one as filmmakers, characters in the film. Yes, so the the four people that went missing, that was the film they made prior to this one that they were trying to film in, uh, the Amazon. And, um, so... They some all of the uh, video clips that they use in that uh, last road to hell sequence are actual real political executions from around the world. And you know what's double fucked up about that is that in the movie they said, "Oh, these are actors. This is their thing. They, no, this is not actually real." But they used actual footage from real life executions and then used them as props in a movie, saying they're fake. Yep, and it's um God. <laughs> Just, uh, just the levels of fucked up in this movie are very strange. Um, the film was also filmed in English in order to attract a wider audience, which, uh, that sucks to suck on that one, but we'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. Like I said, I'm trying to get through this as quickly as possible so we can just talk about this damn thing. Yes. All right. So a little bit of casting info. Um, Luca Barbanicio and Francesca Cardi were chosen, um, out of an actor's studio in New York, uh, because they were Italian. They spoke Italian natively and could speak English as well. Uh, Perry Perkman was one of the only American cast members, um, and Robert Kerman was, uh, was the other American on set, and he plays the role of the professor. Um, he was also known for being part of the quote-unquote golden age of porn. Ah, right, this was where, like, golden showers were, uh, you know, the deal. You know, you just pee on everybody. You know, this episode's gross enough without you bringing golden showers up, even though that's pretty tame compared to about what we're about to talk about. That is very tame compared to what we're about to talk about. <laughs> no, it's just like in the 70s when, like, you know, they used to still show, like, hardcore pornography in, like, you know, normal movie theaters. Yeah, I mean, who needs a censor bar when everything is just so hairy you can't tell what's going on? Exactly. Oh, the 70s. 
Um, anyway, this is perhaps why he gets completely stark, full frontal naked at the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. You know what's crazy, though, is that I think that whole, like, uh part of the film and its relationship to the later parts of the film make it very coherent and very like interesting to watch like the structure of the movie makes a ton of sense oh yeah no he absolutely knew what he was doing trying to sensationalize and like get you to believe what was going on uh but we will get there um so let's talk about the filming um so principal photography started on june 4th 1979 uh scenes with the film crew were shot so that is the in movie film crew the four main characters that are making the documentary were shot in um an observatory manner so that it felt authentic with real documentary footage mm-hmm. which is um obvious if that's what you're trying to do what you're trying to convey you got to do that um so the exterior footage of new york city was shot on location in new york city while the new york city um interior footage was shot on a soundstage in rome Huh, interesting. Uh, it's almost like, uh, you know, New York was the most accessible place to make a movie, and I don't know why they did that. Yeah, it, um, I think they could have gotten away with doing it in New York City. New York City's pretty lax on their, um, filming laws. Well, not lax, but, like, it's pretty easy to get a filming permit in New York City. Because they, I think they have just, like, a whole building that that's all they do. Yeah, and this was, like, 1970s, so, you know. Yeah, ripe for it, ripe for it. All right. So, um, the original actor hired to play Alan Yates dropped out of the production about, like, two days in, and it halted the production for two weeks. Hmm, I wonder why he dropped out. I wonder why. Yeah. Um, and then the actor who played Miguel's, uh, the character Miguel, I think he was, like, the guide for, um, the professor's character. Uh, yeah, he's also the one that, like, gets naked and has the other guy on a leash while holding a shotgun. It's a wild time. It's, yeah, I almost forgot about that. That's weird. That was a weird time. You have to Uh, prove to them that you're a mighty warrior by waving a shotgun in the air and keeping this guy on a leash with your dick out. Hey, man, if you, the man who's holding the shotgun and helicopter is Monster Cock, you, you gotta listen to that guy. Like, he's obviously the alpha. This is the big dick energy the tribe was looking for. Exactly. Big dick energy. It's, uh, it's universal. It's, it requires no language. There you go. Math? Fuck that. Music? Nah. Love? None of these are the universal language. BDE. BDE. The Great Equalizer. (laughs) Anyway, this poor man's parents were murdered during the production. Oh, God. (laughs) And they had to delay it while he went home to deal with the aftermath. He came back to finish filming. Um... (laughs) While that was all going on, uh, Robert Kerman and director Diodato actually fought constantly on set. Like, they would get in, like, little, like, bickering disputes about things, but then they'd be friendly a couple minutes later. And, um, I can't really blame him for being mad at him. (laughs) Alright, so, yeah, I get it, but, like, we all know what we came out here for, like... Exactly, like, you read the script, right? Like, you don't, you don't want to do porn, you don't want to, you know, have to stick your dick in things for money anymore, like, you gotta start somewhere. You didn't have to do this movie, but you chose it, so... Yeah, uh, you know what, in hindsight for him, this is probably not the move that he needed for his career. Oh, absolutely not. He did have a career after this, but it was not, it's not great. (laughs) Um, but apparently Kerman said that he felt that Diodato had no soul. Okay, so when you say someone has no soul, is this like a, you have no soul, like you're a, uh, like a table that's inanimate and doesn't have a soul, or is it like, you play saxophone like a white guy? Um, this is like, you are a demon, like you are just some otherworldly being that has no, like, intentions of doing any good for anyone else in the human race. I see. Okay, far deeper. He's not sitting around, like, smoking a cigarette with, like, a, uh, like, a cabbie hat on me, like, yeah, I got no soul. No, I'm a soul not haver. Anyway. There you go, yeah. (laughs) Um... I'm not a soul man. I am not a soul man. We need we need to start a parody band. Anyway, um, he actually went on to say, uh, Ed, quote, he was a sadist. He was particularly sadistic to people that couldn't answer back. People that were Colombian and people that were Italian, but could be sent home. So does that just make him like a like a method actor or like a method director? Like he's getting into it too much, which is a dangerous place to be with this movie. Okay. You know, let's start yes. that over. Let's say you take a job as an American citizen in an Italian 
office for some reason. Like you, you are yes, in an Italian an Olive Garden. Yes, at Olive Garden headquarters in Italy. Um, and you, your boss is American. Everyone around you is Italian. Your boss confides in you because you're Italian, but is also incredibly rude to you and acts like the Italians are better than you. And then when you try and complain, he threatens to send you home to America, where you'll most certainly be put in jail. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want to go to jail, so uh, that sucks. Yep, I don't want to go to regular horny or arts in jail. Yeah, no, no, those are those are bad moves. <laughs> so anyway, that's what it was like. So he he was apparently he was very rude to everyone on set, if not dictator like. Oh, fun! A uh, bit of a, a Kubrick. Ah, uh, let's not go there. I don't really want to piss off the Kubrick Institutes. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, Shelley Duvall, if you're out there, again, uh, let me help you. Let us help you, Shelley. Let us help you. Anyway. Let me push your shopping cart. Uh, sorry, that's for <laughs> It's, I mean, it's not, I think she has a house. I think, I think. Okay, has a house and lives in a house are different things. Correct. Anyway, um, so Gabriel York, uh, the new Alan Yates, stated the true animal violence was an evil that was unknown to him at the time, and he increasingly became worried that he was part of a real snuff film. So he actually bought into the shit that Diodato was trying to do. So it's the case that the the production team was keeping that away from the actors. No, th- everyone knew that no human was going to be killed intentionally. But uh-huh. but as tensions between the crew and the director and the actors like kind of intensified, you know, and like just from what I understand, this was a very unsafe set to be on. Uh, shocker. Yeah, shocking. And I mean, you can kind of see that in the actors' faces from time to time. Like, it, like they, it seems like they either got really into character, or they just truly believed that they were maybe going to be murdered for real. Right. Someone's going to snap out here, and it's going to be real bad. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that, that animalistic part in your brain can turn on immediately, and it's really hard to get it to shut off. From what I understand. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, of course not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah no, you're not. You're no, not like that. Not. It's not like you pretend to be a homeless man who lives in uh, Central Park or anything. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about either. Anyway, um, <laughs> that was the most gaslighty thing I ever said in my life. <laughs> I, d- I don't know what you're talking about either. <laughs> I'm the one that brought it up, but I don't know what you're talking about. Um, all right. So Kerman pleaded with, uh, apparently pleaded with Diodato to, uh, let the little pig, uh, what did you, what did you say they were called, John? Okay, so there's the muskrat thing, and then there, in this movie there is actually a pig that gets, uh, blown away. Yeah, well, well, they blow away the pig, but I'm talking about, um, the scene at the beginning of the film where, uh, they... <sighs> I hate saying this. Um, they, they slice open a, um, small pig's throat in order to, um, get to its innards and eat it. Oh, you're talking about the kawadi. Yeah, the kawadi, yes. Yeah, the little rat looking thing. Yeah, that. Yeah, so they, um, apparently he, uh, threw up and, um... It, I mean, it shows it in great detail. Like, it shows him, like, you know, cutting the thing's throat open and then disemboweling it so that he could uh, get to the meat. Uh, you know what? I... <sighs> I get it. Like, this happens every day. We slaughter animals to eat them. That's what they were doing in the movie. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't... I don't like it. I, I it's don't bad. like it either. It's... It feel it feels bad. Like you, you, like I think it would be better if they just took out like the the squeals. The squeals are what get me. Like it actually kind of brings a tear to my eye a little bit because it's like this was unnecessary. Like you're making a movie. You didn't have to do this. It's not like it, uh, it's yeah. not like it's a real documentary where like someone's just doing it and you're filming it and you're just like oh my god along with the audience. Uh huh. You're doing this on purpose and that that's right. that's what feels gross. This is on a stage. This is on a stage, and this is real. Like, this is a real Kawadi getting real killed and then real eaten. Right. It's the difference between, like, watching footage of 9-11 and then, like, setting up a set where a dude jumps off an actual building. Exactly. It's, it's, um... Not the same. None are good. This is not the same. It's not the same. And it's not even the same as, uh, our next topic, um... So, Perry Perkinen um, apparently cried for hours after a scene in which the documentarians um, murder and eat a giant turtle. Yeah, so, um, 
in true Italian fashion, they popped it open like a can of Chef Boyardee. Um, I wouldn't even say they popped it open like a can of Chef Boyardee. Um, so just for the sake of, um, we've talked about this a bunch of times. We've made reference to it in other episodes. Uh, we might as well just get into it. Um, uh-huh. they, uh, they grab the turtle out of the river. Uh, they start by chopping its head off. Uh, they show the head to the camera. Um, they crack the bottom of the giant turtle open. And after they get that open and cut off all the uh, connective tissue, you see all the organs still going. Yeah, they peel it open like a big old oyster. They peel it open like a big old oyster. Um, I hope you're not eating anything right now. Um, we warned you to not do we this. We warned you if to not do this. Um, you should have known. You know, they start taking piece of the pieces of the guts out, and then I think the thing that gets me about it the most is like when the guts start like kind of and like the liquid like just start spilling out of the turtle, and like the legs are still going. Like, Ugh. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. It's um, um it, it, this is believe it or not the most disturbing part of the movie. It is definitely up there. If not, it, it depends on how into turtles you are, right? Like um, I don't even think maybe, it matters. It's just it's cruel unusual and once again wholly unnecessary ah yeah um i think they kill the rat thing and then they kill the turtle i think they really just have like a beef with the ninja turtles then yeah i think the ninja turtles should have came and kicked their asses yeah yeah master splinter doesn't like what's going on here um uh, it's you know what they went back to new york and they shouldn't have they should have known they'd be waiting for them when those guys come hey when those guys come back we're gonna we're gonna order a pizza and we're gonna pretend like we're gonna invite them over and then we're gonna fuck them up yeah let's chop a dick off (laughs) jesus christ i mean here we are here we are i mean yep i mean it's what you said wasn't out of line par for the course par for the course um and then, and only to make matters worse, uh, Francesco Ciudari, um, uh, did not want to bear her breasts in the scene where her and, um, the character Alan have sex in front of the natives. Um, Gabriel York, the actor who played Alan, was apparently being very rude and rough with her, and she stopped the filming because she was uncomfortable. And apparently, uh, Diodato took her aside and yelled at her in Italian until she agreed to do the scene as intended. Ah, yeah. So, this is, uh, this is problematic in, like, a lot of ways. Um, it's Um, problematic in almost every way possible. Yeah, it's, again, I'm gonna say par for the course. There's nothing good about what happened here. No. So, uh, uh, the fact that this happened in real life and on screen, uh, in the finished product is, uh, all around pretty bad. Pretty scummy. It's pretty scummy. Um, it shows exactly how the director felt about women. It shows how the movie feels about women, and uh, everybody should feel bad. Yeah, there's nothing, uh, yeah. Like I said in the last episode, it's maybe not the most depraved movie I've ever seen. It, it is the most disgusting movie I've ever seen, and that's only because I think the most depraved movie I've ever seen was, like, I Spit on Your Grave, which I could not watch most of. Yeah, that one's a rough watch, but for different Yeah, for reasons. that reason. Yep, and, um, uh... All right, let's move on from that. Um, I think that's the grossest stuff we're going to talk about. Um, so the film was uh, seized by the Italian government um, just 10 days after its premiere in Milan, which is just so shocking. Like, uh, you know, you, who would have thought that this movie would have sparked any controversy? Yeah, I know. And you know what's even crazier, though, is that the government seized the film, and now you can get it with a subscription to Shudder on Amazon Prime. Right. Not sponsored. Should be. Right. But not sponsored. Should be. Not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, once th- we'll we'll get to all of that by the way um so Dietado was uh, arrested and charged with obscenity uh which uh apparently was a thing that you used to be able to get charged with i don't know if you could still get charged on uh, obscenity charges uh depends on the country i think uh, in the u.s that's pretty hard to do yeah you'd have to make something pretty heinous yeah, I think they just get you on, like, uh, I don't even know what they would try to hit you on. Because, like, I mean, it, we have censorship, but they can't stop you from releasing it in a different way. Exactly. You know? Like, they could stop you from putting it in a film theater, but they can't stop you from, like, releasing it. Right, unless there's actual criminal activity depicted. Exactly. Then then you have to go to big boy jail. And actually, technically, this could be one of those films because of all the animal abuse. It, that is technically criminal activity. Um, actually, no. Interesting. Do tell. Okay, so... 
there there used to be a rule, and I think it still applies to um, documentaries. So with the MPAA and with the United States government, you are allowed to distribute films of uh, real animal deaths and violence. Um, for one, if it's for educational purposes. Uh-huh. Two, um, and this is where Cannibal Holocaust falls into, if the kills are quick and clean. Hmm. Which I don't know I don't know how that turtle one qualifies as quick and clean unless it's just like, you know, they, they didn't torture it. They uh, Apparently, that is the way that you uh, slaughter and uh, cook a giant turtle. Right. Just for all of you uh, giant turtles cuisine artists out there yep apparently that is a uh, par for the course um oh uh, yeah okay so um yeah uh, most of the kills were quick and clean and uh don't apparently that's a-okay it doesn't count as a snuff film yet um yeah. even though i kind of feel like it should just because right. just because of how gross and um just like i said wholly unneeded like you didn't have to do that like, they didn't have to murder these animals. And I just, I, I really don't like... They also didn't have to basically rape people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, it, it, it's pretty bad. It's pretty we'll, bad. Uh, we'll, we'll come full circle on we'll that. We'll come full circle on that. Um, so, several publications in Italy actually stated that the deaths in the films were real. And apparently the Italian government just used that to uh, bolster up Diodato's uh, charges. So he was uh, bumped from obscenity to murder. Mm. Um, the reason that this happened was that all the actors in the film signed contracts that they would not in appear in um, any media of any type for some time after the film premiered. Uh, this was to give the impression that the film was real. So um, th- this is uh, this is part of the big controversy of this film is that he asked them to do this and it really bit him in the ass. Yeah, so it was all fun and games until uh, people actually, actually believed it. Yep, and but... Th- Luckily, the actors quickly came together and went, like, on Italian news shows to talk about the film. And uh, after the court review reviewed everything and saw that every actor from the film was still alive and well, uh, they dropped the charges from the film. You know Are they what? Tra- if that's what you've got to say and do to get your name out there, it's hard. People trying to pay you in experience for your SoundCloud rap is unacceptable. You've got to do the extra thing. you got to go the extra mile to get noticed, even if it means getting, uh, you know, detained by the Italian government until you get people to show up and prove you didn't kill them. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I can't even believe that that's a real thing that happened. Like, it's just, it's insane. Like, you wouldn't do that now, except uh, the only thing I could think of is um, uh, Richard Lankletter's Boyhood. Um, the main actor in that, like, they shot that film over the course of 12 years, and uh, that kid signed a contract that he wouldn't be in any commercials, any other movies, any other TV shows, and that uh, he would just be in that movie. Huh. So that way, like, it wouldn't ruin the movie. Like, you wouldn't know what that kid looked like later. Right, right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of like that, except more fucked up. <laughs> um, The scene that had everyone in kind of a tizzy was uh, the impaled uh, native woman towards the end of the film. Which, uh, this was actually achieved by the actress sitting on a bicycle seat, um, on top of the first piece of balsa wood, and then she actually held the other piece in her mouth. And look skyward. I see. That's, uh, creative. <laughs> We're gonna put that in quotation marks. Um, apparently they didn't film that scene for very long. They only got what they needed so that she could uh, get that balsa wood out of her mouth. Because, you know, that probably made her gag a little bit. Uh, yeah, you're holding, like, a steak. Like, a big-ass wooden steak just in your mouth, you know? Yep. It's pretty, uh, not great. This, this is, like, Vlad the Impaler stuff. Like, it's pretty, uh, pretty intense. Yeah, and, um... To be completely honest, um, in the, like, everything else aside, uh, well done. Very, very yes. good visual effects. Um, it, it, it looks real. Real enough that people thought it was real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, whew. So, it makes you feel bad to remember. It makes you feel bad to remember, and I'm, I'm definitely going to be drinking a few tonight to forget yep. about so, you that. Know- if you, if you just ever get to feel in this way, just remember, you got you got to go out to the store. You got to get yourself one of those hard bristled denture brushes that your grandma uses on her teeth. And then you got to go and you got to get a, a bag of baking soda. You just get some hot water and baking soda and you scrub. You scrub those little folds in your brain just to get all 
that gunk out. Yep, and hopefully it'll just erase this and maybe even some other bad memories. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Or you could pound a pint of vodka. It, it, that also works. I don't suggest right. doing that, though, if you don't do that regularly. You know, just don't do that Again. at all. <laughs> Always drink responsibly. Always drink responsibly. We do not encourage binge drinking. Uh, we have been told from legal that we have to say that. Anyway. Yes, but, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, the courts, uh, let Diodato go, even though they were probably, they probably washed their hands several times after touching him, and, um, then, uh, they decided to ban Cannibal Holocaust in Italy entirely. Ah, uh, yeah. Shocker? Shocker, not shocking, uh, whatever you want. Uh, let's talk about some of the other controversies really quick. Um, and then I promise we'll get down to the brass tacks. Although the allegations were dropped, Diodato and several actors were suspended for four months from the Italian film industry for their uh, real acts of violence towards animals. Uh, yeah, a four-month suspension from a uh, an industry. I, I think that's uh, maybe a little bit of a light sentence. If we're going to, uh, you know, criminally prosecute someone for uh, doing something like this, it should probably have a, a bit more of a lasting effect, right? I, I would think so. I would think that uh, Diodato should have not been able to get any funding for any other films, but that's, uh, the Italians view art different than we do. Or what they could have done was, uh, you know, all of the money that the film makes after a certain point in time goes to uh, victim advocacy groups, or in this case, uh, animal abuse groups. Yep, I completely agree. Like, they should... Shudder, get on it. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, so, Diodato fought for three years to get this film unbanned in Italy. And, uh, like we talked about last week, the film quickly made its way onto the, a list of 72 video nasties in Europe. Uh, this made uh, the video yeah. cassettes of the film very hard to distribute because most stores would not carry it. Right, because the police will just come in and be like, oh, yeah, you got one of these bad boys? Not anymore. Fuck you. Yeah. And just leave with it. it it's almost like a... One guy has an original copy and he keeps it like under lock and key and he makes copies for other people. Yeah, see, that's the guy named like uh, like Dennis that lives down the street, you know? Or Clyde. And, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were like a middle schooler and he was in high school and he was kind of cool back then, but now he's like 24 and he just works at the Pizza Hut and smokes a lot of weed and this is his thing that he does on the side. He has like stag parties in the garage. God, I was so close to this. Ah, yeah. Like a John Wayne Gacy type, except hopefully not quite as much boy murder. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I've never murdered a single person in my life. I've, I've tried not to murder any animals either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a losing proposition, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Again, to reference your uh, your serial killers that are well-adjusted to society. <laughs> yeah. Just like we did last week. Yep, it's, uh, it just, they're probably out there, they just don't get caught. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so the film was banned in many countries and only received a full uncut release in the US, UK, Italy, and Canada. So, uh, I don't, I still think Australia, you can't see the uncut version. I think in, um... New Zealand, I think you can't see it at all. Yeah, so again, with the VPN thing, you get to circumvent a lot of this. Yeah, you know, exactly. And I, I'm not going to say the U.S. is the Wild West of film, but it kind of is. It's definitely the most accepting. Like, I think that we we allow people to watch most things. Yeah, and I think it's funny how you can see these kind of uh, weird parallels and even hypocrisies come from other parts in the world, like... Uh, Italy bans the film for however many years at a time, and they've got politicians with bunga bunga rooms in their house. Jesus Christ. You're not wrong. Mm -hmm. Apparently that term originates with Muammar Gaddafi somehow, except he called it like Jenga Jenga, and he's not playing the little block game. <laughs> oh, we do not have time to get into this. All right. We are not a politics podcast. We are not a politics podcast. All right. Let's get down to how we feel about the film. All right, so... We were talking about how Diodato knew what he was doing when he made this movie, and he absolutely did, because um, the use of the real uh, political murders um, of stock footage in the beginning of the film, mixed with the real animal violence, is uh, used to set up the uh, only probably about, like, I would say almost like maybe 10 minutes of real, like, people-on-people -people violence at the end of the film. Uh, yeah, if we're talking about the cannibal stuff, then yes. I mean, we watch, like, you know, uh, the one tribe and the other tribe, you know, hit each other with stuff, and, you know, we watch them, uh, the, the, I'm gonna call it an honor-killing scene in the beginning of the movie, which is oh, pretty yeah. fucking brutal. Um... There, there's a lot that goes on I, that you could call violence. I, I forgot about that. See, my brain's already burning it out. Yeah. Well, again, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, it's 
So anyway, it's it's used to sell the end of the film. So that's why people thought it was real. Because everything else you saw was real. This is the only part that's not. Right. Alright, so let's go, let's just go list by list here. Um, so the animal cruelty, uh, despite the disclaimer in most modern films, uh, many animals were harmed in the making of this film. This may be one of the only films in history that you can actually, like, you know, say that. <laughs> Yeah, several animals were harmed in the making of this film. But I do want to note that it's not just the Italians that do this. Uh, Apocalypse Now also has a pretty um, brutal, real animal killing. Uh, yeah, I... What, what was the animal that they killed in that movie? Um, I can't remember exactly what it was. It's been so long since I've seen it, but I think it had something to do with a monkey get its, getting its brains blown out. Oh, okay, okay, I see. Uh, not at all like one of these movies where they just, you know... Fuck the uh the base off the monkey there just uh yeah suck it out <laughs> it's uh it's bad it's just all that bad. was that was real that that they actually did that they did oh god I'm gonna get sick all right anyway so it's nasty. John how do you feel about this um uh, do you do you condone this at all on the record don't like it. <laughs> It's, um, it, it it feels bad. Like, it, it just feels wrong in so many different ways. Like, I just, I, I can't imagine a world where anyone would be okay with this. Right. But they did it, and they stuck with it, and they published it. They, so they tripled down wonder, on it. it uh, if you're gonna do this, I guess you have to, because if you don't, it just quickly becomes, like, worse somehow. Because then it's not infamous, it's just sad and depraved. Yeah, it's... Like, I mean, even Diodato wanted to make another one of these movies very recently. I... Okay. Yeah, don't. Have fun. Don't do I, it. I... I mean, I guess now you could use CGI and just, you know, explode animals if you wanted to. Right. I guess you could. Uh, I, I don't think that you would be able to get away with making a movie where you have, like, you know, seven different animal deaths. Especially, like, this movie where... Every single animal death in this movie was at the hands of a human actor. Right, yeah. I, uh, maybe you could do Roadhouse, but instead call it Roadkill. And just, like, every time they, like, smash an animal with a truck. That's foul. I'm sorry. See, it's one thing when it's their ideas. When it's my ideas, it's not cool. I apologize. That's foul. <laughs> it's okay, man. We're, we're already here. Like I talked about before, the U.S. allows these kills as long as they were quick, quick clean kills. Uh, no animal torture is allowed on scene, simulated or unsimulated. Ah, yeah. So, did they get around some of these animal cruelty laws by uh, featuring animal on animal violence? Because that's uh, different. Um, it's different. It depends. Now, I think that um, it would be investigated first because if you're instigating the animal on animal violence, I think that still counts as your murder. I guess, uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, it will be almost like an animal fighting, you know, where like, well, they're hurting each other. I'm not hurting any animals. Yeah, okay, technically, I get what you mean, but you are profiting on the suffering of animals. Yes, that that's exactly what it is. And also, I just, I think it would be in very poor taste to have someone kill an actual animal on screen needlessly. Like, because like I said before, it's not like, it's not like they, they were going to do it anyway and the film crew was just like looking. It's, um, they, they did this on purpose. Like, this was, directed yeah. yes definitely so uh a lot of bad stuff there let's uh let's move on to another unsavory little uh package you're gonna just pop the bow off the top and bop this thing open and be like oh look a little 3d amazon gift card oh how much money is this just enough money for a one month shutter subscription <laughs> 4.99 not sponsored um <laughs> Should be. Should be. Uh, the treatment of women in this film is uh, pretty disgusting. Um, it's uh, they they don't make they don't make them like this anymore. Um, thank God. Thank God, because it's like like especially looking at this film in a 2020 lens is just man. There's only like maybe four women in this movie, and I saw all of their breasts, and they all got smacked around, and they all got raped. Yeah, if we're talking about like the tribal nudity part, like again, I. I'm not ever gonna be like, oh no, you can't do that. Like, okay, yeah, that's whatever. If you have a problem with that, then like, I just, whatever. But like, th there is a lot more that goes on in this movie that is uh, unrelated to that. Okay, yes. And it's, uh, yeah. yeah they, they, there's a pretty extensive, like, rape scene of like a, um, of a tribal woman that, um, is, uh, pretty rough. Um, I'm gonna say, uh, it's a, it, it's a, it's a grand slam of disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's the worst. And I guess what he's trying, what the director's trying to say by including that scene is like, he's trying to show how these were not good people and that their artistic integrity was not fully intact. And it never is when they go out and do this. But it's just like, it's, 
so dialed up to the extreme that it's like you're no better than them. Like you're no like right. you're no better than the people you're trying to lampoon. Yes, exactly. And um I think it's especially bad when you take this and I don't know that it's explicitly stated at any point, but again, what we were talking about earlier with there is an honor killing scene in the beginning of the movie and I think that is a direct result of what happens in that other scene later in the movie which is chronologically before the beginning of the movie. Yes. And that that um that uh, how do I say this without sounding really fucking bad? Um the events that unfold there the assault is the grounds for the honor killing. That's hard to say. I don't. I don't like that. I feel bad. I feel extra bad now. It's um. I mean, it's the with the logic of the film. That is what it is. That is what happens, and um, nobody's better for it. Um, it is. It's rough. Yeah. It's um. <sighs> And that goes just into the whole, just the whole thesis of the whole thing is, um, it's, these movies are very rude to, um, what, what, what was the term that you used in the last episode, John? I keep forgetting, but it's a very good term for these people. Uh, Selectively isolated communities. Selectively isolated communities. Um, it's, it's propaganda against them. Even though at times, I don't think in Cannibal Holocaust it's true, but in other one, but in other cannibal films, uh, they use actual people of that nature, and it's it's just wrong. Like just yeah. just flat out, it's exploitation of them. They don't have a voice to speak up for themselves, and a, like a lot of people's experience with those people are these films. Yeah, yeah, and again to reference some other films outside of this genre, again like Tip of the Spear. Uh, you, there are other movies that exist that kind of are guilty of the same thing, and it's just it's it's. Not not right it's never going to be right and um this film to me should be i don't think it should be watched but it should be preserved so that we know what not to do right uh don't watch this for entertainment purposes watch it for um I don't want to say educational purposes, but if you are into film, you're going to have circumstances where you come across something like this and you have to be able to, I don't want to say take it with a grain of salt, but you have to look at it for what it is and what it should not be and um, just take it at face value. It is, um... It, it is purely, it, yeah, like you said, just for educational purposes, if you have to watch this. I don't, I don't suggest watching it out on a lazy Sunday afternoon. Um, I don't suggest watching it with people. I think that it's, um, even though we watched this film together, um, I think for the full effect, you need to watch it alone. And I think that you, because I think that you'll be somewhat disgusted with yourself for watching it. It's almost, it's, it's one of those train wrecks you can't look away from, but I think to feel the full shame of the film, you have to watch it alone. Right. And I think maybe I'll call it a shame, but this is the best of the late 70s early 80s cannibal films to me or at least the ones that i've seen it's the best put together it's the best written it actually is kind of the best acted too yes it's it's pretty well acted i mean it's it's wholly believable like if like he was trying to sell this as a real movie as a real documentary and uh he succeeded it it looks very real and yeah i mean the fact that he made it on a hundred thousand dollars u.s is just crazy right that is a testament to the uh the skill of the people involved it's just a shame that it had to be so heinous and i i get that there is a place for extreme content in art i just think that uh maybe doing it to the point where again arrested by the italian government is a little too far yes and i think that's ultimately this film's legacy is it is too far in all directions like this this is the this is the crystal meth of films this is the golden shower or hardcore bdsm of film it's it might work for some people it might you know titillate like you know like the the scholarly parts of your brain and you may be really interested in this but for most people and for me these films are uh unredeemable and i never want to watch them again all right i specifically put this film off to last because i did not want to watch it again really there, there's just really no appeal once you've seen how extreme it is you're like okay uh that is that's enough i'm gonna Let's pack this back up and just uh, 
returned sender. Yep, it's I, uh... <laughs> it's almost worse the second time because you you realize how much you forgot and how much your brain yeah. made you forget. Because like even if like I watched a movie five years ago and I'm watching it again, I still remember bits and pieces of the movie. So I kind of remember how it goes. This movie, I I it was almost like watching it again for the first time, except for the turtle scene that stayed in my brain. See, for me it was different because I don't know if I got it confused with Cannibal Ferox, which I watched one time before we watched these movies uh, but i didn't remember any of it i knew that it happened but i didn't remember it being so bad it was it was simultaneously as bad as i remember it being and worse right right it's almost like you watch and you're like oh that's why my brain selectively deleted this yep and it's just like everything around it my brain just deleted let's control alt delete and as a matter of fact as we were recording the podcast i realized there were already parts that of the movie that are being deleted from my brain good job brain good job brain thank you for not like making me a serial killer all right John, do you have anything else to add on? Can we close this book? Let's close this book. Um, it, it's a pretty heinous film. Uh, there's not, not much to say that hasn't been said already. The music is creepy as fuck. That's one thing that will stick with you. Yeah, the music, you, if you ever hear the theme from this movie again, you'll absolutely remember it 100%. And it'll probably take you back. It'll be kind of like a flashback. Yes, uh, same thing with the other movies, uh, specifically Cannibal Ferox. Like, it really doesn't take much to make you remember this and just shudder. Exactly. Shudder, $4.99 with your Amazon Prime subscription. Not stop. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> Should be. Should be. <laughs> all right. In all seriousness, though, um, the, the Shudder subscription is a great, great um, deal, four ninety nine. dollars um, It's got a lot of great classic and new horror films, um, some original horror films, and uh, it's, uh, it's just about spooky time. Yep, it's never too early to get spooky. And uh, I, I know that this episode is releasing uh, the first week of October, so for the rest of October, uh, you guys have to look forward to We Are Going All Horror Again, baby. Yeah. And uh, last year we covered, um, you know, the Universal Monsters, and uh, this year we're going to go with uh, Monsters by a Different Name slashers so tune in to a uh, big four-part series coming up uh starting next week with uh john carpenter's halloween uh we'll see you guys then um please make sure to give us a like on facebook um follow us on twitter all the bullshits um you can find us yeah basically anywhere like it just type in for your information we'll probably be there yes alrighty and uh, so for for your information I'm Zach and I'm John watch a new movie this week just not this one alright see you later guys <laughs>